0: Hey friend, welcome back another week, another episode of The Semi-Seminarian. This week, it's a little short homily that I did with our dinner church when I talked about the difference between filial love, earthly love, and the love that God gives us, agape love. This is a story about when Mary and Martha send the letter to Jesus to let him know that their brother Lazarus is sick. Anyway, I'll see you on the other side. Uh, the story that we're going to look at tonight. This is the some of my favorite time of the year. Just my favorite because uh, we're right on the precipice of the Easter season. These last couple of weeks, two or three weeks in Jesus' life, scripturally is very, very. Uh, interesting to me, and so we're going, kind of from this moment forward, we're going to kind of uh, look chronologically at stories that would be consistent with the last part of Jesus' earthly life. So tonight's story comes to us from John chapter 11, and uh, this would have been a couple of weeks before Easter, resurrection those events, that final Passover. It's kind of where we are in the story. That's where we are tonight. We're going to see that Jesus is going to spend quite a bit of time with his friends Mary, Martha, and Lazarus uh, over these last few weeks of his life. If you come and join us on Sunday morning, that will be an additional story where we'll actually uh, see an event that takes place with Mary uh, in their home right before the end of Jesus' life. So this is a story that kind of takes place before that. Come on Sunday and join us, um, and then you'll see this other story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So, all right, tonight's story comes to us from John chapter 11. I'm going to read a brief story here, just five verses, and we'll see if we can apply this to our lives tonight. John chapter 11, verse 1, says this. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, in the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Martha, I'm sorry, it was Mary, who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. Now, time out, that story hadn't happened yet in the story. He thinks you already know the story. That story actually happens later. So he's assuming, as John writes his gospel account, you already know when I talk about Mary, it's the one that did the anointing. We're going to talk about that on Sunday, the anointing of Jesus by Mary. Lord, he whom you love is ill. Now, when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. That's where I'll stop the reading for this evening. Have you ever heard anybody say that in the heat of the moment that you end up saying stuff that you don't mean? Ever heard anybody say that? In the heat of the moment... People say things that they just don't mean. I fundamentally disagree with that. I think in the heat of the moment, you actually say things that you you do mean. I think when things intensify and circumstances get difficult and stressful and complicated, I think what you really believe about life or perhaps what you really believe about God, what you really believe about yourself somehow just seems to come to the surface and oftentimes slips right through our lips. Let's be honest. When life gets difficult or challenging, when things intensify and situations escalate, what ends up happening is what you really believe, what you swore you would never say but you think about a lot, ends up coming to the surface, does it not? And if in fact that's true, then that brings us back to these five short verses that we read just a moment ago. Because Mary and Martha are in the thick of it. Right, Mary and Martha are in a heated moment to say the least. Their little brother Lazarus, their beloved little brother, is on death's doorstep. He is just hours from passing away into eternity. And it becomes clear to me that in our portion of Scripture that they have attempted all other avenues to save their little brother. And now these two sisters have concluded that there is only one answer. And it's a miracle. And there's only one miracle worker and that's God. And they need Jesus to come and heal Lazarus. They need Him to come and save their brother's life. And they have this very logical plan. They're going to write a note. They're going to put it in a runner's hand. Jesus is just several miles down the road. They're going to have the runner run down those several miles and hand that note to Jesus. And upon reading this note, This note and its contents will compel God to come down the road the several miles and save the little brother's life. Now, we are about to discover what Mary and Martha believe about God. When push comes to shove, when it's a matter of life and death, when the heat is on, what Mary and Martha really believe about Jesus is about to come to the surface. Now keep in mind, Mary and Martha and Lazarus are the closest natural family that Jesus has on the planet other than his literal family. The second to last week in Jesus' life is spent exclusively with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They're close friends with Jesus. Lazarus is one of Jesus' dudes. This is his guy. Lazarus is one of his sidekicks. Have you ever read the Bible and you just anticipate you know the story and you anticipate what's going to be said next? I do that all the time. I've read the Bible a few times. so I'm, And I'm reading this passage and I'm reading this story and I'm like, oh yeah, 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 the note. And they send it and I knew in my memory, I knew the note read something like, Lord, uh, the one that loves you is ill. And I read it, and it was the opposite. I misremembered that part of the story. I didn't remember it the correct way. I, I remembered it, the one that loves you is ill. And That's not what's said. Let's take a little bit closer look at the contents of the note. First, the length of the note is shocking in and of itself. How short is the note, right? If you had one note to save your loved one's life, First of all, it's not going to be short, right? If you only had one note to save your loved one's life, one note to save my wife's life, right? I would instantly begin writing down her resume. Resume. I would start listing out her spiritual statistics, her average time in prayer daily, right? Because this is life and death. But listen to what they write. Lord, he, the one who, loves, who you love is six. Edit it again. The end. That's the end of the story. And I remember reading that and thinking, what? Right? This is what Mary and Martha believe. They believe that what will move God most is his love for Lazarus, not Lazarus's love for him. And Whenever I had got that wrong, it was shocking to me. Because I started to think about the focus of my relationship with God. And it started to kind of alarm me to be quite honest. I started to think, wait, is the focus of the gospel, right? What is the focus of the gospel? Which means the good news of Jesus Christ. of The good news of what God has done for us through His Son. What is the focus of the good news? Is it man loving God? Or is it God-loving man? And I had to come to the obvious biblical conclusion that the essence of the Gospel is overwhelmingly God-loving mankind. Now here's a thought that it could actually change your entire outlook on God and life, right? Because guess what moves God the most? God. God moves God the most. And it dawned on me. You know John 3.16? Right, the scripture that Tim Tebow wrote. It dawned on me that John three sixteen doesn't read like this. For the world so loved, or the world so served, or the world so worshiped God, then he gave his only begotten son. That's not how it reads. As if the gospel story went something like, you know, God is in heaven and he's, you know, walking around on the gold laden streets. And then this dusty, small little planet known as earth. And on that planet, there is this remnant of people who were imploring, begging God, because of their passion, and because of their desire, and their love, and their intrigue, they were so enraptured with God that they were saying, God, come to us. We love you, please. And God paced back and forth on those golden streets, and he considered their offer. Should I? Should I not? I have so much to do up here because I'm God, but boy, they're convincing. They sure want me down there. Okay, I'll come. That's not the gospel. For God so loved the world. And it's got the so in front of it. It's not just loved. It's so loved. Right? And I think it's fair that we could maybe take so loved out and put the word obsession I think that's fair. God was so obsessed with the world. That's John 3.16. And have you ever considered how ridiculous or illogical this our most famous verse is? For God so loved the world, right? Because the world means bad system. The world means sinful existence. The world means bad people. So John 3.16 reads like this. John, God was so obsessed with bad people that he put on skin and bone and came to the earth and died. And listen, because it gets worse. For whosoever. I mean, whoever. Right? Excuse me. I feel like maybe if you're going to give your life for whoever. I mean, look, if I give you a car... The next time I see you, you better be driving that car, right? Because I want to be able to give you something that I know that there's an expectation that you'll appreciate it. Because that's how our world works. Right? Whatever I gave you as a present, are you wearing it? Oh, you didn't like it? What, was it not nice enough for you? Right? God is obsessed with bad people. He gives His Son on the premise of whoever. Maybe we could get a few more guarantees, God, before you give yourself no, whoever, whenever, however, what kind of love is this? Because this is not earthly love. God is a mystery. that's what makes him God. And if you understand God, then that's not God you're understanding. God's ways are higher than our ways. how His love is higher than our love. God loves. Bad people. God is obsessed with bad people. Even bad people who stay bad, God stays in love with them. But what is love without choice? Without choice, we've lost the definition of love. Because in our culture, in our society, forced love is how you end up in jail. Right? That's abuse. And God's not abusive, He gives us choice. And you can either acknowledge the obsession towards you, or you can ignore it. It's your choice, but God's obsession remains nonetheless. First John chapter 4, verse 10 says this, This is love. Before it even tells you what love is, it tells you what love is not. It says, this is love. Not that you loved God because you didn't. But that God loved us. God's first. God's the initiator. The Bible is about God. And I realized I have been so busy obsessing over my love, I've got this thing out of order. And I wondered have I missed the whole focus of, of everything about and being obsessed, rather not God's obsession with me, but my obsession with my performance and my deeds and my efforts? And I end with this, my conclusion. 65% of your audience re-engages upon hearing the word conclusion. So I shall conclude with this. Again, (laughs) this is where I'll conclude. Mary and Martha, we've made it abundantly clear that they use the word love in their note. Lord, the, the one you love is ill. That word love, they use there. That word is the word that's most often used to refer in the Bible when we talk about love. It's what our songs are sung about. It, the word is phileo. Phileo. Those familiar with Greek, phileo is the word used here by Mary and Martha. Philio is earthly love. Phileo is how people get married. Phileo is how people have best friends. Philio is love that is based upon reciprocation. Mary and Martha write a note to Jesus and they go, the one you love and loves you back is sick. Oh, Mary and Martha, you think this love is filio? You think God filios you? I'm here to tell you God does not filio you. He never has and He never will. Because God has a love that is exclusively His. It flows from His being. The essence of who he is is not filio. It's an otherworldly love. It's from another realm and dimension. It's from his essence, the core of God's existence. God does not feel love. God does not merely express love. God is love. And God always acts in consistency with the contents of his character. God cannot deny himself. But God is not filio, God is agape. What is agape? Agape is love that absolutely does not need reciprocation whatsoever. It is unconditional. It is relentless. It is persistent. And it is aggressive. And it will not take no for an answer. It will remain. This is God. This is how God functions. He has agape for every human being that has ever lived. God does not filio humanity. God agapes humanity. And I'm for all for dolphins, and I'm for whales, and I'm for dogs. I'm not for cats, but I am for hills, and I'm for mountains, and I'm for lakes, and I'm for oceans. But there is only one being created in the image of God. In all of creation, in that being is the human being. And that being is the object of God's relentless obsession. He will not stop loving you. He cannot. In this instance, biblically, we have to understand that God can't help himself. How ridiculous is this love? How extensive and extraordinary is this love? And we, as Christians, we've got to get this message out. That if you're bad, God is still obsessed with you. He can't help himself. You can't shake him. You can run, but you cannot hide. God's love remains. And I pray today that as we go from this place, from where we are, and we get in our cars, and we go about the rest of our week, I pray that the preoccupation of your mind and your thoughts would not be your love, your performance, your success, your weaknesses, but you would be preoccupied with God's extraordinary and extensive and expansive love for you. Well, there you have it. I think that is a radical Christian concept, but it is a true concept nonetheless that God is obsessed with bad people. He loves us so much. Hey, listen, if you like what we're doing here at the Semi Seminary, and if you take a few moments just to subscribe to the podcast so you'll know when the new episodes are coming out. We'd greatly appreciate it. Also, however it is that you're listening to our podcast, if you could take the time to rate and review the podcast, we'd greatly appreciate it. It helps get that message out to other people. Anyway, until next week, friend, I hope that you be blessed and be a blessing.